This is Total Information AM Sunday on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Good morning. I'm Scott Jagow at 7:20, and I'm glad to have you in on this Sunday morning. We're going to talk now with uh, Michael Kelly and John Hancock. Gentlemen, let's begin with the Trump indictment. Republican Congresswoman Mary Miller of Illinois calling it uh, election interference, a witch hunt. Trump is famous for his stall tactics. So my question is, what impact is this going to have on the presidential election? I'll start with you, John. Well, I think in the short term, it's going to help Donald Trump. But we've seen some overnight polling, uh, at least I saw some this morning, that indicated that uh, Donald Trump's lead over Ron DeSantis has grown substantially since the indictment. And uh, so I think it makes it more likely that he becomes the Republican nominee. And I think it makes it less likely that Republicans win the presidency in 2024. Michael? Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add to that. I think there will be an immediate shot of adrenaline, which we're starting to see for the former president in the Republican primary. And I do do not see a pathway for Donald Trump to be president of the United States. I think this is probably a disastrous uh, scenario for the Republicans. Well, John, what is it going to take for the Republicans to dig out of this scenario so that they do have a chance to win the presidential election? Well, somebody is going to need to make the case that the former president is not electable. And enough Republicans are going to have to believe that argument. I believe it's true. But enough voters and caucus goers are going to have to believe that argument. Otherwise, I really don't see a clean pathway. They're already uh, just saw this morning that the President Trump's PAC is already running attack ads on Ron DeSantis. Uh, nobody else in that field is at double digits at this point. Now, there's a long way to go. The first caucus is in January. But um, and, and there's, there's more legal uh, rulings to come, too, I'm sure. Whether any of that will make a difference, I, I'm a little dubious. Well, a culture war broke out as the Missouri House passed a budget bill on Thursday. Democrats called amendments to strip out diversity, equity, and inclusion racist. Uh, Doug Ritchie defended the ban on DEI in state government. John, what's your take on that? You know, I don't know a lot about this, Scott. Um, I don't know if there are components in the in the programs that, you know, if there's a certain kind of training involved that uh, is all woke. Uh, that's my suspicion. Uh, but I really don't know enough about it. I don't. I can't imagine they would take action like this unless they had pretty good cause to do so. Michael, your perspective? Well, I mean, this is the Republicans playing the culture war game to try to rile up their base. They had no problems with these uh, stipulations when they were put into the laws. Um, it is. There's no doubt that Diversity, equity, and inclusion is an important part of contracting that the state should be paying attention to. Uh, And the Republicans are playing this um, almost white supremacist-like game that I don't think is healthy for the state of Missouri. Uh, And I think it shows where the true intentions of that party is headed. The circuit attorney. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. the, The left has been ramming this stuff down our throats for years now. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's just too much. The circuit attorney is uh, remaining defiant. Now she says she's going to run for re-election again. So after all that's happened, 
all the people who have left her office, the attorney general's effort to get her out. What are the chances that Kim Gardner would win another election? Well, I hope they're not good. Um, I think the reason she announced she's running right now is she's going to need resources to uh, fight this battle uh, that she has with the attorney general uh, and with potentially the change in the Missouri legislature's law that would allow a recall in the state of Missouri. So uh, I think that part of what we're seeing is window dressing to be able to attract financing from uh, probably well-intentioned people across the country who, who may not know the particulars of this. In terms of whether or not uh, Kim Gardner gets reelected, she's been elected twice in this city, uh, even once after having a pedigree where people saw that she was incapable and incompetent of executing the duties of her office. Um, so trying to handicap what's going to happen in that election, I probably would lean to her getting reelected, but I hope the voters come to their senses. Any thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I think she probably does get reelected. Uh, look at the voter turnout in these elections in the city. It's abysmal. And I'll bet you that over half of the voters in the city don't know uh, the issues involving Kim Gardner's office. And if you've got a citizenry that's uninformed and disinterested and doesn't participate, then the folks that have, you know, a group of passionate supporters, and Gardner does, uh, they have an advantage in these elections. And so it wouldn't shock me in the least if she got elected, even if she gets removed from office before the election. Right. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on those subjects. You guys had a chance to talk with Fog Hat this week, didn't you? Did I hear that right? Yeah. <laughs> How was that? Yeah. It was great. Uh, Roger Earl, the founding drummer, uh, he's really an interesting guy. He, uh, I always assumed when, when Foghat was very popular in the late 70s, early 80s, I assumed they were an American band. Uh, and in doing some research, they're, they're Brits. And I didn't, didn't know that because their music is so bluesy and hard-driving. Uh, and he explained that, you know, America, because it is a melting pot, you've got Irish, other European, African, all of these different influences in the music in the U.S., it really is the basis of popular music worldwide right now. And I thought that was a pretty interesting insight. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting get for the program this week. All right, so talk about your opening day experiences. Michael, what, what did you do? I was at the game uh, and got to see the beautiful and majestic uh, Budweiser Clydesdales enter the stadium, as well as uh, see all the Hall of Famers. I was taken back by the fact that uh, there was no Mike Shannon, no Bruce Suter, no uh, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock. Uh, you know, our Hall of Famers seem to be dwindling. Um, but we had Scott Rowland uh, added to the group, so it was a blast. It wasn't the outcome that we expected. Wow. Absolutely stunningly perfect weather. Yeah, that was a wild game to start the season. John, what did you do? I watched it on television. I was at the game yesterday that we won, mm -hmm. and Michael was gracious enough to let me sit in his uh, wonderful seats there. In fact, you know who was behind us yesterday? We were the parents of Alex Manoa, the uh, Blue Jays opening day starter. Huh. They were lovely. Took my granddaughter to the game, first time with Paw at the ball game, and uh, we had a blast. Awesome. I'm glad I asked about that. All right, gentlemen, thanks for uh, uh, joining me this morning. Have a good weekend, Scott. All right, you too. It is 728.